0: Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.
1: San Antonio District Judge resigns after a
2: federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it?
1: I did it because I was foolish.
2: Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever
1: you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian.
0: Oh, it might be time for a new show open, Ken Flo. That thing is burning it up for like three plus years now. Good to see you. Oh, good man. Monday to you or Tuesday.
3: Yes. Good Hopefully to s- you're not
0: waiting until Wednesday to uh, listen to the show. June 4th, 2018. Episode 158, Anakin Florian Podcast. What's that shirt? That's not the Associated Press, huh? It looks like it, the a
3: okay. is not. It is uh, Albino and Preto, which is a, a jiu-jitsu company associated with Show Your Roll. Good guys, good guys that run it. And uh, what's up, A&P?
0: There you go. And it's not Otomar Pagay. Am I pronouncing so that the would watch be not, company correctly?
3: You are. You are. That would be right. nice. I need a couple of those.
0: So, uh, I saw my ex-jujitsu coach, Pahumpa, in, in Utica, New York. I say ex-jujitsu coach because I'm not really an active student or practitioner right now. So, we're going to get the two-inch Dolomer mats, Ken Flo, mm-hmm. in my garage. Okay. Okay. And largely they'll be for my daughter, my daughter's plural, I should say, for gymnastics. But nice. he said, you know, I'll get the thick Dolomer mats mm-hmm. unless you got a, a better suggestion for me. Mm-hmm. And he's going to give me privates at my house. I mean, how do I turn that down?
3: Dude. Uh, I you mean, know? you should definitely do that. You should definitely right? do that. You got, you, you got understand Pena. why,
0: Dude, yeah, man. No excuses now, Anik. I- I'm going to get on you now. Well, it, with that type of offer, how do you resist, right? There are no beginners' classes in Coconut Creek at ATT headquarters, which is right near my house, right, West Palm Beach, with traffic about an hour plus away with kids. That's not working for me. So yep. he's bringing bringing the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu world class black belt to my I garage. Love it. I think I don't have any excuses um so we're going to talk to longo in a minute just want to say off the top and i'm kind of a broken record when it comes to these ufc crowds but utica new york crowd right i understand they wooed a little bit none of us likes the wooing if you do you're in the minority at this point but that aside loud crowd educated crowd passionate crowd that added to the live event and i think my my takeaway is there are just a lot of young new yorkers kenny and a lot of young northeasterners like eighteen to twenty-five that have grown up on this stuff that are either there with their parents or with their babies. They love MMA. They love the UFC, and uh, you can see why New York was such a big initiative. Because every time we go, whether it's Albany or Utica or anywhere else, you know they pack the place and they make noise.
3: Yeah, man, uh, it, it was a it was a solid card o- overall. I, I thought the crowd was awesome. Um, And again, anytime we see the UFC spread out, you know, I come from a time where the UFC, you know, at one point was only having just a few shows a year, a few pay-per-views a year. And now to see them, you know, every weekend going to a different city all over the world uh, is just awesome to see, man. It's amazing seeing the growth.
0: I wonder how many shows there were the year you made your UFC debut. I think it was 2005. Am I right?
3: Yes. Yep. Yep.
0: I wonder how many shows there were relative to 2018. Uh, all right, quickly, coming up today, so we are going to recap this Marlon Marais-Jimmy Rivera card. What a result in the main event. Uh, UFC 225 preview at least nine selections from Ken Flo in the main event challenge. So nine picks, maybe ten. Uh, former UFC middleweight champion Chris Weidman scheduled to join us as well, and I guess he'll be among the more interested parties. Of course, this weekend as Robert Whitaker and Yoel Romero run it back in the UFC middleweight championship main event. Uh, but we start this week with the showstopper, Ray Longo.
1: It's now time for the Ray Longo minutes. Punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo
3: minute. John
1: Annick and Kenny Florian podcast.
0: It is time for the Ray Longo minute, Woo-woo. and he is fifty dollars richer. Oh, he yeah, calls Rick, the,
2: baby! Let's go. Is to that the Chris bank.
0: Weidman? Oh, is that Weidman? Oh, no, look at this. Here, is he? There he
3: is.
2: Ah, Jesus, Jesus Christ! He scared the crap out of me. How I'm about this? Man. Longer longer. I didn't even know he was here, Kenny.
3: <laughs> oh, I was like like going to say we the could kill. Like I jim- jim- thought jim- you were a ninja, Ray. You should detect this from miles away.
2: He's lucky he didn't get shanked. That's right. I tell you, that's uh, unreal, uh, I, but uh, a lot of woo-wooing in Utica, you say.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, and, and that part wasn't great, but I, I wanted to acknowledge them because everything else they did, I thought, added to the event, and we are going to talk to Weidman here coming up in 10 minutes. I guess he wants his own segment. I was going to say yeah. we could just kill two birds, but I think Longo wants his own shine, yeah. too, after predicting Marlon Marais by by early knockout.
2: Yeah, well, I had it the second round, but I was a little quicker than I think anybody thought. But, yeah. uh, man, he's looking hes looking on point, that kid. he uh, looks like he's, he's coming in, not coming into his own, but he's coming off of two pretty brutal knockouts. So, I mean, it's exciting. It really is exciting for that division. Man, there's so many good matchups, and I think he just put some life into that whole thing. I mean, I definitely would rather see – him against Dillashore or Garbrandt, and even Garbrandt against Dillashore again. You know, I think it's it's new, it's fresh. Uh, you know, you can't argue with the results of what's going on. So, yeah, power to him, man. And Mark Henry and that whole crew. He's got a great team, and, yeah, it looks like uh, he's on a good road,
0: No, I agree with you. And Mark Henry texted me yesterday, just said, you know, this kid came to New Jersey Seven, four, and one in 2012. And since. As far as Mark's concerned, he's fifteen and zero because he thinks he beat Rafael Sandow. But if you give him that split decision loss, fourteen and one with nine finishes at one hundred and thirty five pounds, Ray. I mean, what what this yeah. team has been able to do with this fighter, and what this fighter has been able to do. You know, he's one win away from from changing his life financially forever. And uh, you know, I think the championship experience helps. He brought a lot of it with him to the UFC, and, and he just continues to shine, man. Unbelievable.
2: Yeah, what? without a doubt. Yeah, and those guys are really great guys. He's with the right people. And Marlon's a sweetheart. I think he's great for the sport, too. He speaks well. He's always nice. Uh, I don't know. Good, Definitely a good dude with good people around him. So I think the uh, sky's the limit for him.
0: So John Vellante fights Sam Alvey to a split decision, I think it was. Maybe it was unanimous. I got it here somewhere. Uh, either way... You know, I'm calling the fight, so I'm not scoring it, Ray. I don't know if you saw it. I thought Vellante did enough to win a couple rounds. He was pretty discouraged after the fact. And it's hard to blame him. You know, he falls to six and seven in the UFC. Alvi goes to ten and five, if you can believe that. Uh any thoughts on the Vellante Alvi fight?
2: Yeah, I mean look, I had him win in the second and third round. I mean, like look, when they were talking about Till versus Wonderboy, it was the aggression going forward. Now Vellante's moving forward. It doesn't matter right. how- it's, again, it's the inconsistencies that are crazy. But, look, I know Volante. I know what he's capable of doing. I I, I really just wish he put an exclamation point on that. And, uh, you know, like, again, I had him winning, but I know Volante could have won that fight, I want to say, easily. You know what I mean? So he's got to – yeah, I think this might be the kick in the ass he needs to really step it up and – start implementing his wrestling, which he's really good at, and just, uh, you know, going for it a little more. But he was trying. The guy was backing up, so I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, whatever. Yeah. I feel I feel for the guy. Like, again, I had him winning the fight 29-28. But that's one of those examples. You just can't leave it to the judges, you know. So, you know, uh, I guess uh, hometown favorites didn't matter in this one. I guess London's <laughs> yeah. got that down. Right. London's got that down. New York sucks. <laughs> but who knows yeah they don't, you know don't take mean, care don't. of their own if there was a time for a hometown decision Kenny, it was in Utica <laughs> friday night
3: no i hear you man i hear you listen i want to switch gears a little bit to the ufc 225 an, an amazing card man um you know two two titles on the line here uh we got rda uh taking on covington um who wins that fight
2: I'm gonna go with RDA on that, but I tell you I don't think Covington's going away easy, but uh I, I'm gonna pick RDA. You think I'll he sto-
3: you think he stops him?
2: Uh I think if he stops him it's gonna be late in the fight, like mm-hmm. fourth or fifth round, end of the fourth, fifth round. Yeah, I'll go I'll go with a stoppage on that. And what Probably about due to, due to an accumulation of blows too. I think that guy's gonna be there to get hit if he, he can't get it to the floor. I mean, I just think his stand up looks like it hasn't, you know, really progressed the way it should be in this type of fight. Yeah. And if uh RDA could
3: keep that fight standing, he should be picking this guy apart. All right, what about Weidman's division, Romero and Whitaker getting it on, who wins?
2: Yeah, I'm going with Whitaker again. I'm saying it's a repeat, only a little better for Whitaker. I think he makes those adjustments on those knee kicks or whatever hurt him in the first round. And he's just too active for five rounds. And Romero, you know, is going to fight in spurts. But I'm going to go with Whitaker on that again.
0: All right. I'll get you out of here on this, Ray. I know your new podcast must be doing well. So much so that you're not even promoting your short film on the Anakin Florian podcast. (laughs) I mean, I thought we did better numbers than your podcast. So, Ken Flo, love lies (laughs) And larceny. Wow! If you go to Ray Longo MMA on Instagram, you see the poster. Longo looking fearless, actually looking like closer to light heavyweight than welterweight, which he <laughs> is right now. But Ray, well, I mean, why are you not promoting Love Lies and Larceny on the Anakin Florian podcast? I don't understand.
2: I don't think I'm just look. I'm not a self promoter, but I tell you, it's it's really a really good short. Uh, hopefully, it'll get. Uh, I didn't even see the whole thing yet. I just saw my piece of it. But it's supposed. I'm supposed to go into the city and look at it this week, and then they're going to get it into the. Uh, I believe they're going to go to the LA Short Film Festival in wow. the beginning of August. Yeah, yeah, it should be good. I mean, I I, I, awesome. I, I really enjoyed it. I'm a complete psychopath in it. I had I a, a really, uh, Kenny, I think uh, you're going to like it. I, I got to watch more. this. This that's no, awesome. No, I, I got to see if I can get a clip and send it to you. But it uh, the martial arts in it was really good.
3: That's
0: cool.
2: Yeah, it was well, good, you... good stuff. I had fun. It's like really good group of guys too. So,
0: well, you look like a psychopath on the poster, and I guess if you're on the poster, you probably had a lot of lines. So that's a good thing.
2: Oh, I'm speaking. I'm I'm I'm, I'm yeah. rolling at this point, John. <laughs> I'm rolling.
0: I mean, are we ad libbing, or or is this a script that you had to memorize, or a combination of both?
2: Uh, it's a combination of both. All right, a combination okay. of both. I had a, I had a, uh, i had, yeah, I'm going to say I ad libbed uh, a couple of the scenes. A couple of the things in there. But I had a, definitely a general idea, and I stuck to a couple of things, but... We'll I, find I lose out about. my, I lose, I go off my, I get so into character, John. I just lose my <laughs> shit. And I bring I, reality. I, I bring reality into it. <laughs> oh,
0: itself. that's hilarious! I love it. I I see <laughs> no reason why you can't make a lot of money as an actor.
3: <laughs> I I, mean, I want to see Ray alongside Pacino and De Niro, and then my, my dream is is made. That's it.
2: I got to tell you, you know hey, Kenny, this guy Eduardo Ballerini. I can't say enough about. Him. He's yeah. a really really good actor. I. I'm just impressed that the guy even lets me do anything with him, but uh, I hope he makes it someday. He's been in a lot of stuff, but uh, if you get a chance, look him up. He's really a good guy, and I I think his acting is phenomenal. I've learned so much just from doing a couple of short movies Mm -hmm. with him. The other short I did was really good, but the fight, the producer, the director, but I'm going to start putting some clips up, maybe of some of the stuff, because I don't know if that's going to get out there, because there's some legality but this one you're going to see this one will be out there for sure
0: well we're excited to see it and i think it, it can't have hurt to have these radio repetitions with us every week for, for more than three <laughs> years and i'll also say man as the casting director for this podcast that the, the yes. guy i chose for episode one was you so you know i'm just saying That's we, we
3: found ready. you right we made you don't you yeah. forget I, that. yeah
2: <laughs> we made you i give you guys all the credit man all like, right it's all it's all about having fun <laughs> and putting yourself out there. I'm, I'm listen. I'm having a blast, man. I really am, and it's just good to do new things. And I don't know, you know, we got a little bit of a platform now, so that's awesome. Let's man. just think young and keep on moving forward. Running water right, never go stale, Kenny. Keep on moving. I baby. love
3: it. I love it.
2: My next thing oh. is I'm getting on the mats again. That's my next project.
3: Wow. Yes. And then we're gonna have a super match between you and Anik. See who has better jujitsu.
2: There you go. Yeah, no, that's, that's yeah. not going to work out too good for him. He <laughs> better be, be trending. W- I got a good top game. I'm still heavy enough to, slush, yeah. to Choke him in. out, Ray. Yeah, I'm still heavy enough that, that there's still a lot of weight disadvantage. I don't, <laughs> don't want to be him on the bottom.
0: <laughs> How's well, your jiu jitsu going, even, John? I think even jiu jitsu matches start on the feet, if I'm not mistaken. So His jiu jitsu we'll is going so well that it's gone. How's that? Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> exactly. uh, come on,
2: John. You're not. You're not still training.
0: I uh, no, I am not active at this time. But that could change oh. in the not too distant future if I get bullied and strong-armed into doing it again. And bully is yes. the right verb because I don't oh, want to do it. Man. That's
2: a lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, yeah That's guys, what he keeps saying. Just, that's the problem. This is a cult. You didn't buy into the cult.
0: No, no, Mike. We're gonna get him, right? We're gonna get him.
2: Yeah, come on, yeah, man. We're
0: gonna get him. I have the best smelling geese in South Florida because they never hit the mats, you know. You know,
2: when I first started doing jiu-jitsu, all of my first met, he was about 19, probably 20, and he was, did you train today? Did you train today? Did you rep? Did you rep? Did you train? Did you rep? I didn't do any. Of this. this guy was, he was torture back in yeah. the day. I mean, oh, that guy used to, Kenny, I would watch that guy, 100 arm bars on each side, arm bar, the triangle, triangle, um, apply. I mean, he just, the repetitions, he, I guess he was so young, he had his whole family involved at the time. Nobody knew anything. And he was getting those reps in before anybody Sarah, could even do anything. Sarah he, was, was, he, was,
3: he, was, he was such an animal back in the day. And for a guy oh, from Boston on the an East animal. Coast, from a guy from the East Coast, you know, there were very few Americans who were beating Brazilians out there. Matt Serra was one of them. So I always looked up to him as like, that guy's the man. And it is possible for an American to beat Brazilians and. the to do oh, well in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu competition. So he was always one of the guys that I looked up to for a long yeah, time.
2: For good reason, Kenny. I mean, yeah. I was in the room with him a lot. I mean, there wasn't anybody that guy wasn't destroying back in yep. the day. He was at 22, 23 years old. That kid was uh he, he was, a, was a juggernaut, man. Yeah. He really was phenomenal. It was a pleasure watching that guy grow and I can't wait to give my speech to the whole. Yeah, I was going to say, summer.
0: work some of that stuff into that speech, yeah. man. Hundred arm yeah, bars hey, on John, either I, side.
2: We're going to have to have a couple of safe words in case I have a panic attack when I'm up there. You're going <laughs> to have to come in and save me. You got, you know, we have to go over this. This is. Uh, I'm already. My heart's already beaten. Do you see it?
0: I bet. I bet. Oh, well, I'll be backstage. You will backstage. have a teleprompter you if you want. <laughs> if you want a prompter, you'll have a prompter. Okay. So yeah. that Boom. should put you at ease a little bit or heighten your anxiety because you've never read one before. I don't
2: know. <laughs> yeah. Either way. I won't be able to see it. I'm blind, but uh, that'll be good.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, make sure you get a haircut before that July trip. And uh, is looking lettuce, good as always, bud,
2: is, wait, wait, I haven't had enough, is lettuce. Is it lettuce again? Yeah, it's, it's a lettuce. Little, yeah. It's a little long on I mean, the
3: sides, right? We just got to trim it on the sides and then you're good.
2: All right. Let me go toss my salad. I'm out of here. I'll <laughs> all talk right, to you Thank guys. you, buddy
0: we'll best. talk to you next week all right man. Yeah, he's a madman. oh, oh that's long so ago. funny Gotta love it we were the one ones who cast him initially though, we, in we made him that's all i'm saying yeah, you know I, I do think there is something special there and i say that with complete seriousness right and yeah. that's why i put him on this podcast because i would have conversations with him at these fights and i was like man this guy was made for radio or television yeah. um just the sound of his voice, uh, and that's why it's on our show every week. Uh, UFC featherweight Brian T.C. Ortega. Absolutely loves the fight, loves the strategy, and you know what else he loves? Toyo tires, because like Ortega, Toyo tires are as tough as they come, and they are the official tire of the UFC. You know, there's a lot to love about Toyo Tires, aggressive design, proven on and off road capabilities. These are tires for literally any weather, and they've gotten the toughness to back up that claim. There's just a confidence that comes with tough tires. So no matter what you're driving, no matter where you're driving, you can count on Toyo Tires. And of course, they look great as well. They are the choice of so many fighters on this UFC roster. Tough people love tough tires and Toyo tires have been proven time and time again. So if you're tough, these are the tires for you, Toyo tires. So the next time you need tires, ask for Toyo, the official tire of the UFC. Learn more at ToyoTires.com slash UFC, ToyoTires.com slash UFC. So Kenny, Longo touched a little bit on Marlon Morais and these 33 seconds of brilliance this weekend and... I almost blacked out calling the end of this fight because I think I was just so surprised at at the nature of this result and the speed of this result. You're kind of settling in for a 25-minute main event, and not that I was among those who thought it was going to go the distance necessarily, but there was no feeling out process, and the next thing you know, the fight-ending blow was there. So incredible result for for Marlon Marison, and and for Jimmy Rivera, just like that, there goes the 20-fight winning streak. Mixed martial arts strikes again.
3: You know, I think this was the Marlon Morais that everyone was hoping for that was coming over from World Series of Fighting as the champion in that organization. I think, um, you know, when he came in to the UFC, he had a very tough fight right off the bat. And I think that was because we thought so highly of uh, Marlon Morais. He fought Rafael Asuncao. Um It was a very, very close fight. It was actually a fight I thought he was going to get the nod. Certainly could have gone either way. Um, and it didn't get any easier for him. Jod Donson, a guy that is very tough to fight. No one wants to face him. He went out there and won that fight. Then he went against Aljamain Sterling, an excellent grappler, a tough stylistic matchup for him, went out there and knocked him out. Then you get Jimmy Rivera, a guy from a wrestling background who has serious knockout power, number four-ranked fighter in the world, um, you know, a pretty quick turnaround for all all four of these fights, and he goes right. out there and knocks him out. In under a minute? Are you kidding me? It's just unbelievable what he has done and how much energy he's injected into this division. And now he's confused things even more. But either way, I mean, how can you not get giddy about potential matchups between him, Dominic Cruz, TJ Dillashaw and Cody Garbrandt, those four at the top, just ridiculous. I don't want to ignore Rafael Asantel. I think that's a rematch that I think a lot of people would like to see myself included. Um, He should be in the conversation as well. But as far as those top four guys, uh, just ridiculous.
0: Yeah, Rafael Asantel always seems to be the forgotten man, and I'm glad you sort of injected him into that conversation. But when I talked to Marlon Rice before the fight, He said nothing's guaranteed in this sport, right? I really got to just go out and and beat this guy who's won 20 fights in a row, I think very highly of this opponent, and ideally finish him. But I don't even know that in Marlon's wildest dream, Kenny, he would have produced this type of result and almost guaranteed himself a title shot because given what you said about the pecking order at 135 pounds and the fact that you have Cody and TJ coming up on August 4th, Dominic Cruz is sort of still lurking a little bit, and Mm -hmm. I guess he could make an argument to get the winner of that fight. For sure. To knock out Jimmy Rivera, who had won 20 in a row in 33 seconds, eliminates a lot of the gray area in this division. And I think even for a guy like Rafael Asuncao, he's got to think, man, this is the one thing I couldn't afford to have happen, to have Marlon Mice go out there and make it so decisive and so quick. We're going to table that thought for a minute Mm -hmm. because we are going right back to Garden City, New York. Good friend of the program, former UFC middleweight champion, father of three, host of Weidman's World on MSG Networks. Chris Weidman is with us. Chris, appreciate a few minutes, man. Ah, wow. He, What's up? Do you play the guitar, dude?
4: It's just one of the many things I do very well.
3: <laughs> yes. Look at this guy. Yeah. I mean, You know, this well, I'm is in Lago's first.
4: office. Been, I haven't actually touched this in a long time, but he is a very good guitar player. I don't know if he's
3: Ray player. is? This guy yeah. does it all. We I started off our we'll
4: relationship to... with him teaching me how to play the guitar, and then wow. uh, then he stopped trying. Wow. Yeah
0: so uh we'll have to get Longo to play the guitar so uh sorry man there's a little delay i will say it was great to see you this weekend i'm not sure though that you're getting nominated for father of the year dude you got cj oh there's longo again here we go ken (laughs) flow
2: i said you cut me short for him come on
0: (laughs) i know
4: Smart move, guys. Yeah, all. I all. Yeah. think Longo, long, but Longo, you did have a minute at first when this show first started with you. You did what? You went from a ah. minute to like fifteen minutes. So nice. like you. I don't like
0: it. Yeah. Well, at least we led with Longo. Imagine how upset he would have been if we put him after you. But I say that well, in chest, of course.
4: Requ- he requested this. Oh my <laughs> now, god! Look at it. What
0: is going no, on? The picture in the back.
4: Longo, Longo when he was three hundred pounds with Kevin James. <laughs> <laughs> i can't believe you show is that the before and
0: after <laughs> oh man it's amazing he's a he's a welterweight now so i joked about you not being father of the year you're a tremendous father of course i joked because cj was in the lobby you know fighting off the sleep at one o'clock in the morning but hey john Vellante's fighting cj is front and center man
4: thank you man i appreciate that yeah um it was my son he's definitely like I would never imagine bringing my my 5 year old to a UFC fight um I don't even know if I would think that's okay to do but my son he's uh he's pretty mature for a 5 year old and he he loves he loves fighting he loves his uncle John and uh he kind of understands it so we brought him and he had he had the time of his life I mean he got a day off of school came came with his mom uh, flew out to Utica and was able to, you know, so they spent some time together and then was able to sit, uh, you know, Kate side to watch, yeah. to watch the fights. So he had a time of his life.
0: And they showed him on camera and everything. So speaking of Uncle John, and then we're going to get to everything that you've got going on. But for John Vellante, this was obviously a tough one to swallow, man. You know, he falls to six and seven in the UFC. Most people that I talked to thought he did enough to win the fight. Um, six oh, and I know, seven you I know. Yeah, I think he's 6-7 and seven in the UFC, if I'm not mistaken. I think he came in at 500, but I, you don't mince words with him, whether it's in the corner or after the fact. I mean, what did you say to him after the fact, and what did you think about the fight?
4: You know, um, I thought he won the fight. Um, yeah, I don't think it was uh, his best performance at all. Um, I know, there's, a, there's a bunch of things that go through my head with that fight because Sam Alvey does bring an interesting uh, problem to the table when you fight him. Uh, mm-hmm. number one, he's very, I think he's just very frustrating in the fight because I, I don't feel like he's the most athletically gifted. He doesn't look the, like he's the most polished striker. Uh, but, but he does pose a lot of problems, uh, because he won't go away. He's very tough. It's not like you just, you know, you, you see a guy like that, you feel like you should just go out there and kill him. Right. Uh, but he right. sticks around and he can frustrate you. And then before you know it, you're, you're, you're starting to, you know, get your ass kicked. So you have to really, uh, stay focused and keep your composure. Um, and he's a very good counter puncher. And Vellante is a type of fighter who likes to get off first and, and walk forward. So it was an interesting matchup stylistically. Um, you know, John had also had gotten knocked out by his one knockout. I feel like is from uh, Tom Lawler and another southpaw. And he he hit he hit, long, he hit Vellante when he was coming in with the right hand with his with the right hook from a right. southpaw position. And that's that was that was Sam Alvey's that's Sam Alvey's biggest punch. This is his right hook from southpaw. Yep. And, and, and off the counter. Uh, so there was a lot going on in that fight that most people might have not realized. Um, uh, it was, definitely was a chess match. I feel like Vlante was dominating the first round, probably the most dominant in, in the fight was that round, and then um, he got clipped at the end of the last 10 seconds and lost that round. And he kind of he was really dominating that round with kicks, and I feel like he kind of got away from his kicks. Uh, but I still think that in the second and third round he won, but it was close enough to where You can't say he got screwed, I don't feel like, you know, either way. It's like someone was going to be upset with the decision either way.
0: So Longo just said that he feels like maybe this will be a wake-up call and that he would really like to see John at least present the threat of the takedown, especially in matchups like this. As some of our listeners may know, this is a guy who won a high school, you know, state wrestling title in New York. I mean, how feasible is that, that that John would try to, to mix it up a little bit now moving forward in the UFC?
4: So I, I actually spoke to John this morning, uh, and I this is what I said to him. I, you know, it's kind of still early after the fight. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, you know, be overly critical at this point. But I did say, you know, I think it's a good uh, opportunity for a wake-up call pretty much because uh, for, a lot, for a lot of his last fights, he was kind of getting in the mindset that uh, wrestling is boring and I don't like to put on boring fights, so that's why I stand up. And I just feel like that's not the smartest mentality to have. Um, I think if he were, was going to hit a takedown in that fight, people actually would have been more exciting. You know, people want to see things that they don't expect. And, right. uh, you know, even, that was a complete stand-up fight. It wasn't the most exciting fight at all. So I feel like being able to mix things up is very important. And I hope this is a wake-up call for him because he does have really good wrestling. He's a very strong guy. And on the feet, when you're standing up, I feel like strength isn't as much of a factor as it is when it's a grappling, when it turns into grappling. Uh, so I think it'd be really beneficial for him to use, use the takedowns. And let's say, you know, <clears throat> if he doesn't submit the guy, if he exerts a little extra energy, um, I mean, he's winning those rounds a, a takedown to any one of those rounds is, is right. winning him that fight. And so it's kind of, I feel like he really has to, it's not something you can tell him, you know, the day of the fight and start say, you know, to, yeah. you know let's go, let's get some takedowns. It has to be right, something right. programmed in his head for the full camp and he needs to be going for it and and uh, being persistent with it and not being afraid to do it. Because a lot of guys get worried about getting tired, you know, when you yeah. go for takedowns and not able to be successful with it. So I feel like that's something that he has to get over. And um, I think he, I hope this is a wake up call for him so he, he starts utilizing his wrestling.
3: Chris, uh, I want to switch gears a little bit, talk about you. How is your thumb post surgery, man? <laughs> and, and do you have any potential dates uh, that you're looking at or when you could be back?
4: So I, I just got done with physical therapy this morning. Uh, my thumb last week—I I got my cast off, um, and they did an X-ray. The X-ray came back; uh, it was 100% healed. The doctor said it's better, better than he even thought it was going to look. And then they did a CAT scan to double check and really—that's how you can really tell the bones because I got—I had a fusion, so my bones are uh, fusing together. Um, Where well they—they took my hip bone and put it in my thumb. Wow. And then, based on the cast skin, it looks it looks amazing. It looks great. It looks like it's fully healed. So he said, just for the next three weeks, kind of take it easy, don't go crazy. Uh, and he thinks I'm gonna be good to go. And I, um, you know, when I was out in Utica, I, I hit pads a few times with Mark Henry and, and Anderson, uh, Marlon Moraes' coach. And um, you know, I was being careful with my hand, but um, it felt it feels great to be. Uh, coming back and on the mend and I, I could see the light at the end of the tunnel finally, because you know, after the first surgery, it was really hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel, because if they were telling, they were telling me that it was scar tissue, the pain I was feeling. <clears throat> and if that was something I was going to have to deal with for the rest of my career, I don't know how I was going to do it because wow. it was, it was miserable. Thank God it wasn't just scar tissue. It was uh, my bones breaking apart. Um, because that's something that <laughs> you got to get fixed. And, uh, so I did. And now, I uh, I feel like I'm in a really good spot, and I'm excited for the future.
3: That's wild, man. So listen, what what can you do with that hand at this point? Well, you said you were hitting pads. Were you hitting pads with that hand? Are you able to grab or grapple with that with that hand yet?
4: Uh, he, I th- he said for the next three weeks, don't go, don't do crazy grappling. But I started drilling. I worked with Jamal Patterson uh, when I was out in Utica too. We did. I drilled jujitsu for the first time in a while.
3: Nice. And
4: I'm using my hand. It's not painful. It feels great. But I feel like, yeah, you know, I think we all know when you been in this sport long enough right when you feel amazing is when you're probably at most danger of re-injuring something Mm -hmm. so i have um, right now is where i really have to show patience and um and so i'm doing i'm doing a lot though i mean uh a lot of old strength and conditioning stuff so now i'm starting to finally lift again i'm trying to get my muscles back in that arm it's been almost 10 months to where i could really use it so i did curls the other day and some chest stuff and stuff i haven't been able to do for a while and holy holy crap as i saw it but it feels it feels good man so it good to be back. It's great. This is what my thumb looks like, just so you get a visual. I don't know. Okay.
0: Yeah. No, it looks a lot better. I mean, I remember it several months ago, the nasty and, scar. and it nasty looked scar. the Dr. Pretty... Frankenstein scar. Yeah. Yes.
4: I mean, I thought everything's autoscopic at this point. It's crazy what they
3: did. To me. <laughs> <laughs> Open right? it up with an X.
4: Yeah. <laughs>
2: did Ray, Wait,
3: was it Dr. Longo? Did he do the surgery? Are
2: you guys making fun of my surgery? Yeah. This is horrible. He did, it old, he did it old school.
0: <laughs> Man, Ray Longo Chris just me. cannot get enough.
2: I can't. You guys, I feel like you snubbed me for him today, and I'm not leaving he this can't, time. He, I'm can't not let leaving.
4: Me, he can't let me shine on my I'm own. I'm not leaving. <laughs> uh, my, I
0: guess so, uh, you can,
4: Finally. You guys never had me on your podcast. I'm finally here. On I'm sharing with Longo. <laughs> All right.
0: I feel like I'm you first. always have to share the mic. Last time we had you in a car with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, I mean, maybe we just <laughs> need to give Chris Weidman his own Monthly minute or something like that. But real quickly, because Robert Whitaker and Yoel Romero are fighting for a second time this weekend. And I sort of feel like if I'm team Weidman, the result that I want is a Robert Whitaker win because that is the fresh matchup. And in my opinion, you are are the biggest needle mover in this division. You bring more pay-per-view eyeballs than anyone in that top five. You beat a guy in Kelvin Gastelum, finished him, uh, and he's the other guy with all the momentum. I mean, are you Team Whitaker this weekend, or is it not that simple?
4: Uh, You know, I guess, I guess, you, I mean, if the UFC was to tell me that if Whitaker wins, uh, i have the title shot as opposed to Yo Romero winning. I'm not having the right. title shot, but then obviously I'm Robert Whitaker. Right. Uh, but I, really, I, I don't have any control of that, and that's not what I'm hearing. Um. And, but it, I mean, it makes sense what you're saying. So yeah. I guess I should be Team Whitaker. Um, but I wouldn't mind a Yo Romero rematch too. So right, uh, we'll see. I mean, it's an interesting thing. You know, I'm, I'm coming off uh, an, an injury where I fought Gastelum in my last fight. Uh, and he's the guy that, are, you know, everyone's talking about could be fighting for the title next. And I'm ranked ahead of him and finished him last I, in my right. last fight. So, I mean, I really do have a good case to fight for the title next and um, it's it's kind of a interesting thing I don't really don't know this this fight should be good um, I could see Whitaker winning again too so yeah uh, I don't know
0: so you do lean towards Robert Whitaker he's about a two to one favorite I know you're a betting man I'll admit to being surprised that Joel Romero was as high as plus 195 in some spots this morning do you think the fights as wide as, as that betting line indicates or are you expecting it to be close as the first matchup was
4: so the, I mean there's a couple of things that go through my head well I mean why are those odds makers making that like did is he is he starting to finally look like he's 40 years old and we haven't seen it I don't know right. he's, last time I seen him he still looked pretty damn jacked yeah yeah um, yeah, and, I mean, he does get tired, but he's coming off a good win against Luke Rockhold. Um, but Whitaker has a good style against him, you know. He, he He's not afraid to be patient, and he lets the fight, you know, uh, kind of last for a while. He, he'll counter only when it really is there. I don't think he, you know, he's not putting himself in, in danger's way too often. Um, right. And uh, the longer the fight goes, it's definitely uh, better in his favor. Um I will still say I will give Yo Romero credit though. He's still very dangerous in the later rounds, even though even even though he could be taking his time getting off the stool and he looks exhausted, he's still very dangerous right. at all times. Right. Um so I mean in my in my mind I feel like Yo Romero could obviously just go out there and land a big shot and, and and finish him. Um but I think the odds are right in the in the fact that, you know, the longer the fight goes, it's probably more probable that Whitaker would win.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. Last thing, Weidman's World MSG Networks is pretty good, man. I watched some of it this morning, skating with the New York Islanders. Is that still going on? How does that work? How often are you shooting Weidman's World?
4: Uh, it's not too often, maybe um, once every two months. I've been doing it, okay. and right. I have I have another one uh, that we're we're going to be shooting soon, and they and they want to change the segment to a half an hour instead of these short short uh, yeah. segments. Good. Um, so it's pretty cool and it's awesome stuff, man. Like that one that I got to skate with the Islanders, I'm a lifelong New York Islander fan. And so to be able to, I, I thought I was going to be a New York Islander when I was a kid. So to be able to skate with those right. guys and play hockey with them is like a dream come true. It was so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, they're yeah, so, match. they're so, they're so damn good. It's crazy.
0: All right. Last thing, uh, we give away money on this podcast. Okay. 50 bucks wow. is yours. Wow. If you can correctly <laughs> tell me who wins, this weekend, interim UFC welterweight title fight, Rafael Dos Anjos, Colby Covington. RDA, very slight favorite right now. Closest fight on the card. According to Vegas, you going RDA or Colby Chaos?
4: Uh, I'll go uh, RDA.
0: All right, Rafael Dos Anjos and we'll send yep. you 50 bucks if you win. Former UFC middleweight champ Chris Weidman could get the winner of this weekend's title fight between Robert Whitaker yeah. and Yo- Yoel Romero, and maybe even at, at MSG before we close the book on 2018. Uh, appreciate your time, man. Good to see you in Utica there, and we hope to see you back in the Octagon soon, bud. Thanks so much.
4: Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on.
0: All right, there he is, Chris Weidman, here on the Florian Podcast. So I give these parents a lot of credit bringing their kids to UFC events, you know till one o'clock in the morning nothing easy about it yeah. but cj behaved and, and power to him but it is interesting when you look at the pecking order in this middleweight division chris said that's not what he's hearing so maybe he's hearing jacca de Sousa. that was the mm-hmm. fight that that longo kept talking about so maybe that's the fight weidman versus Souza. despite the fact that jacca is coming off a loss maybe kelvin gastelum will be next for the winner of robert whittaker and yoel romero i know you saw gastelum this weekend i mean I guess we have to see how this fight plays out because Romero wins. You could be staring at a trilogy, a lot of different things. But Weidman, on the strength of a win and a finish over Kelvin Gastelum, who now has all this momentum, you'd have to say he's at least in the conversation.
3: I think so. Listen, I I think based on what Chris has done, uh, being the former champion, beating Kelvin Gastelum, it does get tricky. However, you know, I I think for fans um, and for the UFC, they want to see some kind of Um, momentum, which obviously Kelvin has, um, I think, right now. So tough situation, tough situation, especially Chris coming off an injury. They probably want to see him get uh, another win. And then I think especially with a win over someone like a Jacare Sosa, uh, that would certainly put him in a position to fight for the belt next.
0: And if you're asking me who has a stronger case, Chris Weidman or Kelvin Gastelum, based upon the schedule and the competition, I would say Kelvin Gastelum, right, because to your point. He has two wins over Michael Bisping, the former champion, and Jacare Souza since that Chris Weidman fight. Big wins. I just don't know, you know, what the internal metrics say about all of these guys and their abilities to to sell a pay per view. But I think Chris Weidman is proven and, and has those wins over Anderson Silva. So the track record is there, and yeah. we appreciate his time today. All right, we're going to get to the U, the UFC Utica recap in a second. <laughs> First though. It is important to protect your home with a home security system, but how many home security companies are actually thinking, how can we protect your home and your privacy? See, that's why I love SimpliSafe. They just obsess over the details like no other home security company. Here's an example. Safe has a camera you can control on your phone. Everybody else does, but they want to protect your privacy too. So they invented a privacy shutter for your home camera. And this is right in Ken Flo's wheelhouse because, you know, he likes technology. He's a public figure. Um, Sounds like you need Simply Safe. Really, they've thought of everything. They want you to be able to hear the shutter click so you know it's closed. They wanted it to have a light on it so you can easily tell when it is on. And of course, most importantly, they needed it to work for the entire lifespan of the system. It's that kind of attention to detail that sets Simply Safe apart and keeps your family safe. Simply Safe isn't just home security, it's home security done right. So check out Simply Safe Today at simplysafe.com slash Anik. That's simplysafe.com slash Anik. To learn more about Simply Safe Today, simplysafe.com slash Anik. All right, Ken Flo. So Marlon Moraes, Jimmy Rivera. We have the fight August 4th, Cody Garbrandt, and TJ Dillashaw. That's the second meeting between those two guys. And I guess in theory, Cody wins. Maybe they run it back. Dominic Cruz, Rafael Asunzao. But Marlon Moraes, right? I think his next fight's going to be for the championship. I'm not sure exactly how it's going to play out, but one way or another, I think Marlon Monaise doesn't sign another bout agreement that doesn't say UFC Bantamweight Championship of the World.
3: It's possible, man. Um, listen, does he deserve it? Sure. Uh, but there's another guy, Dominic Cruz, who's been waiting for a long time as well. Um, and, you know, as far as marketing and all that stuff, I think Dominic, uh, you know, is going to be able to pull in big numbers with. Uh, whether it's TJ or Cody, um, m- yep. maybe even more over Marlon. You know, but as far as cutting your own promo, I mean, Marlon Moraes has already done that uh, just in his last two fights. Um, he- he's an exciting fighter. He's a guy who goes out and looks for the knockout all the time, dynamic as, as any fighter in the UFC, period. Um, so I-, I don't think it's a sure thing at all, uh, especially yeah. with – Again, if Cody wins that fight, they got to do the trilogy. They got to finish that out. I think that's the direction they would probably head, um, and then you know maybe have him fight Dominic. Uh, you yeah. know, in the meantime, um, again, all those know. fights, all those fights are fantastic.
0: Why do you, Why do you think that would? Well, be Well, it fight? sounds like you maybe would be okay with sort of penalizing yeah. Weidman more than penalizing Cruz for the inactivity, right? right? I mean, I don't believe Dominic fought at all in twenty seventeen. Right, whereas Weidman at least just fought last summer. So it seems to me, with all due respect, and Dominic Cruz probably my best friend on the roster, but I think he's going to be penalized for the inactivity. And I think when you do what Marlon Moraes just did, and when you're a finisher like this, I think he's almost impossible to deny. And honestly, Kenny, I didn't think this was necessarily at stake for Marlon Marais going into this fight because of the loss to Rafael Assange a few fights ago. But here's a guy who has now fought four times, right? His UFC debut was a year ago yesterday. And I just think that that you go out and do this. I really believe Marlon's going to be next. Now, of course, Cody could put a wrench into that. And if he finishes TJ, there is that. But I also think Cody Garbrandt's a guy who, as a champion, said he sort of wanted to stay active. And if we get a quick result here, Mm. you know, maybe that trilogy gets delayed a little bit and Marlon's the guy. I don't know. I just think that Marlon's going to be rewarded for what he did this weekend.
3: You make a strong point. I I think his best bet, though, John, will be if one of these guys get injured. Knock on wood, everybody. Yeah, right. Uh, right. You know, if one of these guys gets injured going into it and— Again, to, to your point, I, I think with Dominic's injuries and, and kind of, you know, that roller coaster ride that he's been on, man, for the last several years, I guess you could say, um, you know, the UFC w- would probably rely heavily on someone like a Marlon Marais, who hasn't been injured at this point, you know, to right. step in there for the title fight, which is unfortunate for Dominic uh, with everything he's done uh, in the sport. So it is tricky. It is tricky. But uh, um, I have a hard time believing that, either marlin or dominic would hop in there if cody does get the win here against tj which is right, a, of right. course possible with both those guys with that kind of
0: firepower heading into that yeah. uh, title fight it's going to be interesting yeah that makes a lot of sense and 135 pounds is certainly healthy and certainly better with Marlon, but ice in it and ufc 227 is exactly two months from today here we are june 4 august 4 uh one way or another there's going to be a bantamweight oh, title yeah. fight that brings us to jimmy rivera kenny and uh you know, I know there have been some shenanigans and even some stuff that wasn't reported that happened outside of this fight after the fact between these two corners, yep. not just the video that you saw. But by and large, Jimmy Rivera is a real classy guy and his wife's very classy and he won 20 st- straight fights in modern-day mixed martial arts. And I think this is a lesson in in a lot of things, right? And, and you notice Tiger Shulman immediately went into teaching mode after the fight to mm-hmm. tell Jimmy what he did wrong. Uh, and, and obviously he... It wasn't a lucky shot, in my opinion, right? Defensively, Jimmy, there was an opening, and Marlon went right through it. Um, But I think for Jimmy, this has got to be awfully difficult. You know, you didn't get the Dominic Cruz fight. Maybe you weren't all in on the Marais fight, but you accept that fight. It's a main event, and before you can even have any sort of feeling out, uh, the fight's over.
3: It was a tough one for him. Uh, It was definitely a tough one for him. He's a guy who has had an amazing win streak in the sport. Um, to just the fact that he was able to get 20 consecutive wins in a sport where so many things could go uh, wrong is just amazing um, unfortunately for him this past Friday night was one of those nights where things went wrong uh, again yeah. for him and Um, He got caught against one of the best strikers uh, in the division. Okay, there's no shame in that. It happened early on. Sometimes Jimmy, you know, gets off to a little bit of a slow start. Once he finds his rhythm, uh, Jimmy's a very hard guy to stop. And and I agree with you. I think he's a very respectful guy. He's a classy individual. He's a true martial artist. I really uh, was impressed with with, um, the the Shulman brothers and what they've done with their team and how they went immediately... Um, into coach mode as you said uh, after the fight to kind of tell him what he did wrong and show him exactly what happened Um, and uh, I I think he's going to be back he's going to be stronger than ever Uh, he's a guy that could still uh, win a belt in that division Um, he's not old Um, he's a guy who is a martial artist who's always improving always evolving Um, and this is one of those performances where you look back and you go okay well Maybe not as good as I think or I thought it was. And, and I have to always be ready in every single fight. Um, and uh, I think we'll see Jimmy Rivera back and,
0: and we'll see him back in the win call. I think you summed it up well. I think he handled the loss well after the fact. I mean, his chin was up. he I don't even think he was sort of crying backstage, right? I think mm-hmm. he just sort of chalked it up to a, a little mistake that he made, and, and he paid the ultimate yeah. price. But it's going to be interesting to see how they spin him forward, because I think if you're Jimmy Rivera, you go full-court press trying to get that Dominic Cruz fight back. And I actually think that that's what's going to happen. I think they're mm-hmm. going to do Rivera and Cruz again because that fight was set up and agreed to once before but crazy crazy main event you know we've obviously been in those seats calling these fights Kenny for a long time and I just can remember very few instances where I've been so surprised and literally jumping out of my suit so congratulations to Mark Henry to Frankie Edgar Ricardo Almeida Marlon Moraes uh, and the entire team Gregor Gillespie is one of the best lightweights in the world. He doesn't have a number next to his name right now. 12-0 and 0 after submitting Vince Pichel with his patented arm triangle choke, Kenny. He's 5-0 and 0 in the UFC, four consecutive finishes, a bonus in three of them. And I know you have acknowledged that this is not a flawless fighter. This is a fighter sure. that makes some mistakes. And you saw even touch and touched him a few times in this fight and seems to cut kind of easily. But Kenny, I've been talking about Gregor Gillespie for a long time. And when we talk about the best lightweights in the world and some of the guys who might pose a threat to Khabib Nurmagomedov, I feel like Gillespie doesn't sort of get mentioned in that class because he is a developing fighter and he only turned pro in 2014 because of a devastating injury that delayed his pro debut two years. But Gregor Gillespie is a total beast man. And I cannot wait to see him take his shots at this division's elite because I think he'll be very competitive with most of them.
3: Double G, that's what I'm calling him. Gregor Gillespie. Double G. Double G. Uh, You know, this is a guy that I've been hearing about for a very long time uh, just because of his kind of legendary training sessions. This is a guy who uh, just stays on you, man, like a blanket. His conditioning is legendary, you know, from what I'm hearing this guy uh, puts a pace on, on the road that is just insane for several miles. So uh, he's in tremendous shape, uh, mentally very, very strong athlete. Yep. Um, physically, of course, as well. Um, got power with his hands. Uh, and, again, he beats guys with his will more often than not. He's going to grind you out with that wrestling um, pedigree. Uh, and I agree. He's one of the few guys who match up style-wise um, with Khabib Nurmagomedov. Um, has a very similar style uh, to Habib. I I would say his submissions are even sharper, uh, for sure. Uh, Definitely has a better submission game than Habib, a a better finisher, potentially, than Habib. Is he as big and is he as strong as Habib? I'm not so sure. Is he as great of a wrestler as Habib? I'm not so sure. It's one of those fights that I think, or one of those things that we will find out when they actually fight. Um, but Gregor Gillespie is a guy that I guarantee you, no one in that division wants to face why he's not a top 10 guy yet. Um, I think he's creeping up that ladder. Um, and style wise, you don't want to deal with someone like that. No one wants to fight Habib Nurmagomedov unless it's for a belt, right? Or, or, you know, now that he has a belt, um, and no one wants to fight Gregor Gillespie now. He has stepped into that role as kind of the new Habib Nurmagomedov, um, yeah, I think especially once he sharpens up defensively and he gets his head moving, he gets his feet yeah. moving a little bit better, he mixes up his strikes a little bit. That guy, he could absolutely win the belt in that division. There's no doubt in my mind. You look at everything he's done prior to even stepping into the octagon, uh, being undefeated, being a four-time All-American, being a national champion uh, yeah. at, at the NCAA Division One level uh, is yeah. just insane.
0: Only true freshman All-American in the decorated history of Edinburgh University in Pennsylvania. And as we've said on the broadcast, I think his last three fights, I can't say it enough, enough. His head coach in college said on game day, I have never had an athlete raise their game more. And you're talking about the legendary training sessions, and in college it was really more about, eh, he was okay in the gym. But once the bright lights come on, forget about it with this guy. There's just a, a awesome. relentlessness and an ability to sort of put all the nerves and everything else behind him. Go ahead. You got something? And, and,
3: no, absolutely. And a maturity as well. Uh, you yeah. know, you know, Just look at the way that he handles himself in the interview with you, and then when we talk yeah. to him uh, after the fight – He's extremely uh, realistic in in his perception on the sport and and where he thinks he is in the sport and how he's developing as a fighter. Um, Just a very respectful guy. That is a true martial artist, man, and a true fighter. He's not out there, you know, and again, you can can criticize him, but he said, you know, listen, if I go out there and start, you know, talking trash, he's like, it's not going to be authentic.
0: That is not me. So uh, I really respect that guy. And he took me out to the parking lot to see his fishing boat Uh, after the fight he was – literally had his fishing boat parked in the parking awesome. lot there in utica new york and has already gotten several fishing trips in already but you mentioned something in terms of the strength and the size now it's hard to quantify his strength against some of the bigger lightweights like kevin lee but there's no doubt he's giving up size to somebody yeah. like kevin lee and some of those guys in the top five in the top 10 at 155 pounds not to say it's some easy weight cut for gregor gillespie and not to say that he's going to be a featherweight in the future but I think it's going to be very interesting to see who signs on the dotted line to fight this guy. And you're right, maybe some of the defensive defensive issues on the feet, but just a total beast. The chokes are there. And Vince Pichel thought that he was going to be able to sort of beat Gregor with his strength and physicality, right? Mm -hmm. Like Vince is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt, you know, a guy who trains a lot of jiu-jitsu, a guy who is strong in his own right for 155 pounds, a guy who enters that octagon probably north of 180 pounds, and he just felt like Gregor was going to have a hard time taking him down. I'm not sitting here trying to classify Pachelle as a top 20 lightweight, but Kenny, he just fought one of the bigger guys in this division and chewed him up and spit him out with with relative ease.
3: Uh, Absolutely, and Shell again, look at his record. Uh, this is a guy who only had one loss uh, prior to that. Uh, he does have experience. He was very confident heading into this fight. He's a guy uh, who has some decent skills there. And um, Gregor Gillespie just made it look easy, man. He really made it look There's- easy. So uh, just a-, a great night for him on Friday.
0: So, in terms of who they might match him up against, you know, your guess is as good as mine. I know they're working on some things. Um, Edson Barboza is a guy who I think isn't matched up right now, unless I'm mistaken. Most of the guys in the top 15 and the bottom half are matched up. I mean, Anthony Pettis, I think, is out there. But uh, we'll see what happens. There's going to be a lot of movement at 155 pounds. And Gregor Gillespie's getting somebody in the top 15, and it's going to be very interesting to see how far he can take it. So, got to sort of pick and choose some of these fights kenny that went down in utica new york i settled on the david tamer nick lentz fight because i think there's a bigger conversation in terms of fence grabs and fighters getting away with fouls now when david tamer fought dracar close in detroit back in december dracar close you know accused david tamer of greasing and so it's not something that you know is new to the tamer brothers getting sort of an allegation that they have cheated right and Mm. I guess maybe it's not the most appropriate verb when it comes to the fence grabs. And a lot of fighters would probably say, hey, if I get away with one, so be it. But you get away with one fence grab in a fight against somebody like Nick Lentz and it changes the whole complexion of the fight. Somebody like Nick Lentz, all he needs potentially is one takedown, right, to suffocate you and choke you out. That has been his game. Mm -hmm. And I got a real issue with these fence grabs and fighters getting away with it and not getting an immediate point deduction when it looks to the referee like it could have been a takedown. Do you have any thoughts on that trend in MMA and what we can do to to get it out of the sport?
3: Yeah, I I mean, listen, I I don't I don't like it either. It's something I have done. I remember I did it, uh, I think, once against Sean Shirk. It it was something that I just kind of just reached for. I was like, oh, I got to. I myself out, and I just grabbed the right. fence and then ended up, you know, having to let go and he slammed me on my head. Uh, but so oh. sometimes it's things that you're not even conscious, you know, uh, aware of. But in other cases, we've seen it before where guys are knowingly grabbing the cage, especially the ref tells, hey, don't grab the cage. He lets go and then he goes right back and grabs the cage again. Um, right. You know, it, it, it angers me. And, and I think for for referees, if you see a guy do it once. OK, listen, I, I get that. I get that. Um you know, it, it, it's up to the referee at that point to say, hey, was this intentional or not? But referees are so scared to get to do a point deduction in this right. sport, wh- whether it's a, it's an illegal blow or a grabbing of the cage or whatever it is. Um, they're, they're just so scared to do it, I feel like so. I think once we see referees really take charge and start to take points away, we will see these fouls reduced, in my opinion. Once they know that, hey, referees are actually going to, you know, they could take away a point if you do a low blow right off the bat, whoa, you know, if if you're grabbing the cage. There needs to be some kind of fear injected into the fighters a little bit.
0: Well, because the next fight, Lauren Murphy against Sajara Eubanks, you saw Murphy clearly post when sort of a subtle fence grab might have kept her upright. She's trying to play by the rules. And it wouldn't have affected the scorecards, although, to my argument, The whole fight complexion could have changed, but it was 30-27 times two for Tamer and then 29-28 from the third judge. So it wouldn't have affected uh, the outcome if it had gone to the scorecards necessarily. But just a big moment in that fight, and obviously Nick Lentz was was furious about it, and and I just feel for the guy. Um, Any thoughts on Walt Harris, Ben Saunders, Julio Arce, Sam Alvey, the main card winners? I just have a thought on Ben Saunders because this is a guy that some argue— is long in the tooth or or shouldn't deserve his spot on the UFC roster. And I just love seeing these guys, Kenny, so deep into the game, getting bonus money and and getting six figure paydays. Like for Ben Saunders, his last fight against Alan Joban, obviously it was not very good. Said he redlined it very emotional, but he did get a $50,000 bonus. And then he knocks out Jake Ellenberger here. I don't know what his win and show money is, but here's Ben Saunders. After so many UFC fights, you remember the the Brandon Wolf fight in 08 that we covered on MMA Live with all of those knees, and still getting it done and still making a whole lot of money. You know, 15 years into a pro career, I just I like seeing the veterans get bonus man, and it couldn't happen to a better guy in Killaby.
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Saunders is a great guy. Um, he's a, a true martial artist, a guy who's been at this for a very long time, uh, very hard worker. Um, and to see him get this win over a tough veteran in Jake Ellenberger was great, and, and to get it done uh, really through his patented move. Uh, you know, you, you get in Ben Saunders' clinch. I don't care who you are. It, you're in danger. You are in danger, and that's why I was so surprised that Ellenberger really – put himself in that situation uh, and if you're doing your homework you don't go to your you don't go to your opponent's strengths and I was really surprised that Ellenberger really didn't break out of there uh, earlier him being the shorter man him knowing that Saunders is so damn dangerous in that clinch uh, whether it's elbows or knees uh, and, and the fact that he got hurt with the knee in my opinion earlier, uh, in that clinch position yes um, I, I thought was just not a good decision on Ellenberger's part it, w- it was tough for me to see Ellenberger lose just a great guy in this sport who's uh, yeah. like Saunders has been doing this a long time but yeah I mean these are the great opportunities for these fighters that when they get these bonuses it really does change their lives you know yeah, it, it really does and um, you could see how fired up Saunders was after the fight um, and uh, it's a guy who really is passionate about what he does so you, you have to respect and appreciate that.
0: No doubt about it. And for Jake Allenberger, the last time the UFC was in his home state of Nebraska, he main evented in Omaha 2013 against Diego Sanchez. And I think there's a show in Lincoln, Nebraska on August 25th. And if Jake can get right, I think that would be sort of a nice way for maybe him to walk away if he can get the right opponent. I don't even know if he has the appetite for it right now, yeah. but I think... The stars seem to be aligning for Jake Ellenberger. If he wanted to have sort of a a going away party in Nebraska, perhaps he'll be given that opportunity. So Sam Alvey beats John Volante. And my question to you on this one is the call out of Corey Anderson. And for Corey Anderson, I know he's paying respects. I think he lost his uncle over the weekend. So our condolences to the family of Corey Anderson. But, Unless there's something Sam Alvey sees in terms of maybe a chin that he can crack, to me, stylistically, I would think Corey Anderson would be among the worst matchups for Sam Alvey. Not to say that Alvey doesn't have very good takedown defense, but... Um, Corey Anderson is just volume takedown artist and, and an improved striker. But why the call-out, do you think, uh, of Corey Anderson? Make, make some sense out of this one for me.
3: Uh, to be candid, I think that uh, for Sam Alvey, who has uh, excellent knockout power, he's seeing a guy in Corey Anderson who has been knocked out and knocked out brutally uh, in a few fights now and recently. Right. So I, I think that's why he wants it. And, and Corey Anderson, at times, does get caught up trading. For the sake yeah. of trading, <laughs> so right. I, I think that that's where um, he needs. And, and I think also Sam Alvey probably thinks that he has the wrestling prowess or enough wrestling knowledge uh, to maybe thwart those takedown yep. attempts from yep. Anderson, who really could be a problem, as you said. Um, you know, with his takedown game and his ability to mix things up. If Corey's able to do that and really disguise those things, disguise when he wants to strike and disguise when he wants to take people down. Um, yeah, I absolutely think he could beat a guy like Alvey. Um, The the problem for Corey is sometimes he's not so good at hiding what he's going to do. He telegraphs a little bit, you see things coming, and then he gets caught. Um, So we'll see. Uh, Again, this is a a guy in Alvey who I think still has the power at 205 pounds, as he demonstrated early in that first round against, uh, or late in that first round against Volante. Um, But uh, I, I think that's a
0: fight that does make sense. I think it makes sense, too, and I think Alvey is thoughtful in all of these call-outs. So there's certainly thought behind what he's trying to do. And how about smiling Sam Alvey, Ken Flo? You know, 10-5 and in the UFC. As we mentioned last week on the podcast, 44th pro fight. He's only been finished twice, right? And Brunson, the only guy to do it in the UFC. I mean, sitting cage-side, like, Volante stung him a couple times, and he don't even flinch, man. (laughs) He smiles in what he does. yeah, 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 exactly. So uh, Guy Smiley, as Jimmy Smith called him, smiling (laughs) Sam Alvey, 10 and 5 in the UFC. All right, a couple other things. Jose Torres and Jared Brooks, did you see this on UFC Fight Pass or were you doing the pre-fight show?
3: I I caught the finish, uh, which was very unfortunate. This is what happens when we get too emotional, we get too excited, we get a guy up in the air and we're just like, "Yeah, I just want to slam the hell out of this guy. Uh, it doesn't matter how it happens. you got to be aware of where you are positionally when you're looking for a takedown. Um, I think he just got a little too excited, a little bit uh, too emotional when he had him up in the air mm-hmm. and said, I'm just going to slam this guy. Ended up power bombing himself. Uh, Unfortunately, never, never a good thing when you do that to yourself.
0: And then finally, Nathaniel Wood over Johnny Eduardo. I know a lot of people are excited about Nathaniel Wood. Fans in London seem to think that this guy can really sell some tickets and nice for him to get a win in the UFC debut. You know, I shared an elevator with Johnny Eduardo after the fact, and these are the things that are hard, right? Here's Johnny Eduardo coming up on 40 years old, takes on this young lion. Mm-hmm. outstrikes the shit out of him for a big portion of this fight, but didn't close the door at the end of that first round, ends up getting finished and putting sort of his UFC job in jeopardy. Did you see Nathaniel Woods' performance over the weekend?
3: I didn't. We were filming okay. at, at that time, but, uh, okay. yeah, I heard about the finish. And uh, Johnny Eduardo, a tremendous striker, uh, was, was the striking coach over at Novo for a very long time. Right. Uh, dynamic, fast, puts together a beautiful combination. When he's on, boy, he is on uh and yeah uh, unfortunate for him late in his career uh but i
0: hear good things uh, about what And last thing I'll say, Julio Arce with a win over Daniel Tamer by submission with the rear naked choke. I really like the composure of this young Arce Mm -hmm. kid. And on a night where Jimmy Rivera came up short in the main event, uh, it was not all for naught for Tiger Shulman's MMA because I think in Julio Arce, uh, they really have a future contender. All right, coming up on some UFC 225 picks, but first, support for the Anakin Florian podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. They understand that home plays a big role in your life and family. That's why they created Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. It's simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. It's convenient. Our trusted partners allow you to share your financial information with Rocket Mortgage at the touch of a button. And in addition to getting a real mortgage approval in just minutes, you can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you're getting the right solution for you. Rocket Mortgage buy quick and Loans. Apply simply. Understand fully. Mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com anic RocketMortgage.com slash A-N-I-K. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, and Access.org number 3030. All right, time to make some picks. Let's get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. And The time is most definitely now.
1: Florian.
0: I finished fight!
3: I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge.
1: The John Annick and Kenny Florian podcast.
0: All right, Team Anik led it 64 48 going into UFC Utica. Ken Flow went head to head with Wade Roberts. Flow needed a big week, and he gets it. 9 6 for the Flow. You had Marlon Ice by knockout. Round three um pretty close there either way a big week for you so it shaves the team manic lead a bit Seventy fifty-seven heading into UFC 225 big opportunity to gain some ground this week for you kid because 10 selections are coming your way and joining us to make picks today representing Washington DC Anakin Florian podcast listener Ian McInerney is with us Ian how are you man great how are you guys doing We are doing well. It's good to have you with us, and we are going to start firing through some of these. Ken is going to try to keep the momentum going. If you don't have video, the dude is actually stretching right now. (laughs) Uh, All right, so we start with the featured prelim at heavyweight. You can see this on FS1. Curtis Razor Blades, minus 155 favorite over Alistair Overeem, who comes back at plus 125. Ian, who do you like here, Alistair Overeem or Curtis Razor Blades?
1: So, I'm actually more conflicted about this fight than any other fight on the card. So, I think of it as like the smart part of my brain versus the pride never die part of my brain. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm definitely hoping that Curtis Blades doesn't just outrest Alistair Overeem for three rounds and it's be a boring decision. So, I'm going to go with uh, Alistair Overeem, v Nash decision. He'll piece him up uh, at distance and it'll be hopefully a good fight.
0: All right, Reem is a slight dog for Ian there. Kenny, Curtis Blades has not lost since his UFC debut against Francis Ngannou back in the day, 4-0, with a no contest over his last five. Overeem returning here uh, for the first time since that brutal loss to that same man, Francis Ngannou, back in December. So who do you like, the young Curtis Blades or the veteran Alistair Over?
3: Yeah, you know, for me, I think I'm in a, I'm in a similar kind of dilemma as Ian is, um, and more specifically what kind of over him is going to show up he, he's one of the most inconsistent guys uh who is an elite fighter um and now he's getting a little bit uh, older now so it's tough to know what kind of over him is going to show up i think curtis blades is more consistent with what we've seen lately um can he take him down consistently i don't know um but uh i i I got to say, I was surprised by uh, Blade's last performance against Mark Hunt. I did not pick him in that fight. I think he showed that he is a different fighter,
0: both mentally and technically. Um, I'm going to go with Blade's here. Yeah, Curtis Blade certainly answered a lot of questions in that Mark Hunt fight. We'll see if he can keep it going against Alistair Overeem. All right, first fight on pay-per-view in the UFC's welterweight division. Mike Jackson can't call him the truth. There's only one Paul Pierce. Let's be clear about that. But Mike Jackson, minus 205 favorite against the also 0-1 as a pro CM Punk, who is plus 167. Ian, Mike Jackson or CM Punk for you?
1: So based purely upon the Mickey Golf fight and how long each each fight lasted, Uh, CM Punk via Anaconda Vice.
0: All right. CM Punk at plus 167. And for the record, I think Mickey Gall, who beat both of these guys, Ken Flo, is picking CM Punk in the fight. Uh, That may be neither here nor there for you. Are you going CM Punk or the photographer slash fighter Mike Jackson?
3: (laughs) Man. uh, (laughs) The photographer slash
0: fighter. (laughs) Oh, man. Kenny, well, (coughs) well, before you think I'm banging on him, I'm going to sit down with Mike Jackson for our fighter meeting on Thursday. He He hasn't fought since 2016. He just photographed an MMA show two weeks ago. So he still does both crafts, right? He's more active as a photographer than fighter, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, you got a point. All right. Anyway, who do you like, kid? Who do you
3: like? (laughs) You know (laughs) what? I'm going to go with CM Punk as well. I'm going to stay on track with Ian here. Uh, I I don't know if it's because I'd like to see him kind of getting a win. I I felt like – you know, he puts so much on the line when he goes out there and competes. You know, you, you have to respect him for that. Are there other guys that probably deserve the spot above CM Punk? Sure. I think there's a lot of fighters that have been putting in a lot of time over the years uh, who are good that are not in the UFC yet. Right. However, obviously CM uh, Punk brings in a lot of eyeballs. I, I I respect the hell out of him for working yep. as hard as he uh, has.
0: And, um, yeah, let's let's see what happens on Saturday night, man. CM Punk's UFC debut was September of 2016, so he's had nearly two years to make improvements. And for Mike Jackson, Kenny, I bet he's more insulted that the great Kenny Florian is picking CM Come Punk to on. beat him than he is, that I called him a fighter photographer. But uh, I digress. Let's get back to the heavyweight division flow, shall we? Tie to Ivasa. Tied to Ivasa, minus 165. The favorite here to beat Andre Arlovsky, who is at plus 135. Ian, the 39 year old Arlovsky, has won two in a row since he was left for dead by many fans. The question is does he make it three in a row against Tuivasa?
1: Yeah, I mean, you said it. Every time I've written off Arlovsky in the past, he's just come back and just decided to completely dismiss my opinion of him. But I just, I was so impressed by Tuivasa against his fight with Cyril Asker. Um, I think he's going to put Orlovsky away, but I also think, unfortunately, Arlovsky's going to last longer than he should or really needs to. I think it's going to be a late round two TKO and a
3: kind of unfortunate
0: fight. Ken Flo, Tui Vasa, Arlovsky, who's the pick to click?
3: Um, yeah, this is a tough one because I, I like Arlovsky so much, but this is another guy, if I'm being candid, who has been quite inconsistent as well. Uh, so I, I got to go with Tai Tui Vasa. I, I think his power, um, I... I, I I see him landing one of those big shots. And and I don't yeah. know if anyone in that division, if he lands that big shot, can withstand a shot like that with a right. four-ounce glove. So uh, I got to go with Tui Vasa here.
0: All right, moving on down this pay-per-view main card, women's featherweight division. Megan Anderson making her UFC debut. She will do so as a plus 210 underdog against Holly Holm. Holm currently sitting at minus 265. So first fight, guys, of 2018 for Holly Holm. Of course, her last fight against Cyborg in December of last year. Holly Holm, Megan Anderson. Ian, who do you like? You know,
1: women's fights are always hard to pick, um, especially with Holly Holm and how how she's been lately. But nothing about Megan Anderson tells me that she's going to put away Holly Holm. But I say Holm by decision.
0: Ken Flo, first three-round fight for Holly Holm since her second UFC appearance against Marion Renault all the way back in July of 2015. Massive edge in terms of championship experience for Holly Holm. You think she gets it done here against the newcomer Megan Anderson?
3: I think she does. Um, uh, I think Holly will get it done. Uh, Again, I want to see a Holly Holm who just takes the pressure off her shoulders and goes out there and just fights without – putting all this immense pressure on her, uh, on herself. And, and I think if she's able to do that, she really has a potential to beat anybody, uh, 135, 145, doesn't matter. Uh, Megan, I think she's tough. I, I just think experience-wise and big fights—that is going to be the difference here. Yeah. Um, I think Megan has the potential to to be a champion later on in, in this sport. I'm not sure that time is now, though. Um, I'm going to go with Holly. I-, I just saw her at Fox Sports, man. Uh, it- it's impressive—just her athletic oh, build. She is jacked, man. I like wanted to put—I had a, like, a t-shirt on. I was like, I'm going to put my jacket on here. I don't <laughs> really feel. She is. She looks like she's in phenomenal shape. She seems ready. She looks healthy. Um, So, yeah, I I think Holly's going to win that one.
0: And even though she has said she's a natural Bantamweight and she believes that that is where she can regain her glory. uh, Right. No cut this weekend. And she obviously continues to keep herself in in peak physical shape. All right. Co-main event for the UFC interim welterweight title. I wish I could stand up for this, but we're on camera. So this, as I mentioned earlier, as close as any fight on the card. Mm. Dos Anjos, minus 125. Covington also in the minus, at least on my site, minus 105. So we will proceed for our purposes with Covington as the underdog. Call him even money. Title fight here, Ian, will need the round and the method of victory. Who walks away with the UFC interim welterweight title in Chicago?
1: i'm actually kind of surprised how close the line is here um i was especially surprised just because of how much damage that uh covington took in the first round of the maya fight uh his face is pretty beat up in that fight and even though he definitely won it it just i'm kind of surprised by that and uh, i think if uh, if, uh, rda can put hands on covington and keep the pace that he normally keeps um, i think it's going to be just a relatively easy night for rda i'm picking rda via round three tko
0: Round three, TKO Rafael Dos Anjos. Ken Flow, 25th UFC appearance for Dos Anjos. Many remember he started 0-2 in the UFC back in 2008 and 2009. Since he has won 17 times in the UFC, he was the undisputed lightweight champion. Now he goes for a belt in a second division. Covington, 8-1 and in the UFC. Who do you like, Flo? I've been dying to know. Dos Anjos, Covington, and ultimately how do they get it done?
3: Well, listen, I think those lines are are probably very close because of just the way that these guys match up. Now, Kobe Covington in that fight against Damian Maia didn't want to go to the ground at all with Maia, whether he was on bottom or on top. And this fight against RDA is a little bit different. RDA, yes, he's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Yes, he is solid on the ground. He is no Damian Maia, however. So don't be surprised if Colby actually takes a completely different approach than he did against Damian Maya. If he decides to fight like he did against Damian Maya, RDA is going to knock him out. I, I just, I, I really believe that. It might take a little while because Colby has quite the chin, um, and he hasn't taken so much damage uh, throughout his career. Uh, so, I think it would take a little bit. But I, I think RDA. Um, would knock him out if it stays on the feet. So I think for RDA, he's got to stop those takedowns. We've seen RDA struggle in the past with other wrestlers, like a Habib Nurmagomedov, with a Clay Guida, um, guys who can put him on his back. RDA not really known for his guard skills. Um, So uh, he also is facing a a, a larger fighter in Colby Covington. Um, But I think RDA's speed, I I think his ability to put together lightning combinations, his ability to pressure guys, um, I, I think that's going to be the difference here. I do think RDA gets the win. I think it could potentially be closer than we really think. Um, again, if Colby's able to wrestle him to the to the fly, to the mat, I, I think we'll have a fantastic fight. Um, uh,
0: but uh, I got RDA here. All right, RDA, outstanding breakdown by the way, kid. I am going to need a round and a method if you'd be so kind. That's right. Uh, let's go with. Uh... Let's go with second
3: round, second round TKO, RDA.
0: TKO, but really good stuff there from the flow. All right, main event, rematch between UFC midway champion Robert Whittaker and the number one contender, Yoel Romero. Last time they fought, of course, Whittaker walking away with the interim belt, later promoted to undisputed champion. That is the title he defends here, Ian. He will do so as the minus 235 favorite. Romero, about plus 190, potentially some value there. Who wins the main event, Ian, and how do they get it done? T-
1: uh, I think this fight goes very similar to the last one and maybe even better for Whitaker. Uh, I, hopefully he keeps coming in at a full strength after coming off the injury in a long layoff. Um, I, you know, I just rewatched the fight last night and just the way that Whitaker really took control of the fight towards the end there uh, was pretty uh, impressive against uh, Yoel. I'm taking uh, Whitaker for uh, uh, round five TKO.
0: Round five TKO for Bobby Knuckles the reaper robert whitaker so kenny no ufc interim belt for yoel romero walking in because of course for that february title fight against luke rockhold he missed weight but he Mm. did win the fight he did finish luke rockhold and he had that of course is the only fight for him since the july 8th meeting with whitaker whitaker ends the entire layoff here because he hasn't fought since they went five rounds a year ago kenny how does act two go between whitaker and romero
3: you know for anyone who has um you know, certainty of what's going to happen uh, in this particular fight is huh. lying through their teeth because there's so many question marks. First of all, the way that these guys match up, uh, it's a crapshoot, number one. And then there's so many question marks from that first fight. We had Whitaker uh, who blew his knee out in that first round thanks to a, an oblique kick from Joel Romero. Um, and so that, that happened. We had Whitaker winning the final three rounds. Amazing how he was able to come back. Um, And then we had Romero, who I didn't think fought so well. I think if there's someone who can make more adjustments in this fight, I think it's Romero. I think he didn't do a great job of isolating once he takes you down. That's his big weakness, which is crazy, considering he's an Olympic wrestler. Yes, he can put you on your back, but he's not great at keeping you there sometimes. You know, again, uh, so I I imagine that they must have been working on that with him uh, for this fight here against Whitaker. That's what he needs to do here, mix in those takedowns. Where not only he can score points and win rounds, but he can kind of rest and pace himself throughout this five-round fight. I just don't see him going five hard rounds against someone like Robert Whittaker. Whittaker knows how to pace himself. He always comes in tremendous shape. Um, as fast and explosive as Romero is, I think Whittaker is going to be faster with his hands particularly. Um, can he consistently stop the takedown if Romero decides to just take a wrestling approach? I don't think so. I don't think many can. Um But I think Whitaker, his ability to make good decisions at the right time, um, he showed tremendous mental toughness in that first one, uh, going essentially, what, 24 minutes with with a destroyed knee. Um, So I'm going to go with Whitaker here. I think he gets it done by knockout in round three.
0: Round three, knockout for Robert Whittaker. All right, a lot of consensus between you guys, but I think when we get to some of these prelims and the quick picks, there will be a chance for for Flo to separate a little bit. All right, Mersad, Bektik, minus 170 versus Ricardo Lamas, plus 140. Lamas back for the first time since that vicious knockout against Josh Emmett in December. Ian, you going Bektik as the favorite or Lamas as the dog?
3: I'm going Bektik as the favorite.
0: Ken Flo, Bektik or Lamas for you?
3: Jeez. Um, Tough one. Tough I just one, realized right? I didn't make my quick pick uh, here. Um, I was
0: undecided you can give us on this a, one. You, can, you know what? You can pass for now. We're going to move on. Let's and go back to it. Pass. How's that? All right. <laughs> Claudia Gadelia minus 500, Carla Esparza plus 375. Esparza's won 2 in a row, upset Cynthia Calvillo back in December. Vegas doesn't seem to care though if this betting line is any indication. Gadelia of course taking time off after her loss to Jessica Andrade last September. Ian Gadelia as the prohibitive favorite or Carla Esparza for you?
1: Gadelia
3: by mauling.
0: <laughs> Ken Flo, Gadelia Esparza. <laughs>
3: Um, yeah, i got to go with Gedalia here. I-, I think she's going to be able to stop those takedowns, and from there, um, Esparza, it's going to be tough for her on the feet.
0: All right, Anthony Smith, minus 275. Rashad Evans, plus 215. Anthony Smith moving up to 205 despite winning three of his last four at middleweight. Sugar Rashad also moving back up to the division he once owned after a two-fight stint down at middleweight, and that did not bear fruit for Sugar Rashad. Evans or Smith for you, Ian, in this one?
1: Uh, Smith, and I really hope this is Rashad's last fight.
0: Yeah. Ken Flo, Smith Evans, what do you think? All I'm going to say is I, I can't go against Rashad.
3: Uh, he's, he's a longtime friend. i I, I got to go with Rashad here. Well, and you get three points,
0: kid, if he wins. Um, all right, Joseph Benavidez, minus 245. Sergio Pettis, plus 197. Benavidez, Ian, back for the first time since December of 2016. You last saw Pettis in a loss against Henry Cejudo in December. Benavidez or Pettis for you?
1: Benavidez is the best flyweight not named Demetrius Johnson. So Benavidez...
0: Enflo Benavides or Pettis?
3: I'm going to go with Benavidez as well here. I, I I do think it's going to be a more difficult fight than people anticipate. Pettis, uh, I'm a fan of, man. He's really made serious improvements in the last couple years.
0: All right, Ian McInerney, congrats on graduating law school, by the way. Best of luck passing the bar, and thanks for listening and hopping on with us today, man. Th-
3: thank you
1: so much. I really hope the new TV deal includes both of you. And uh, shout-out to my boys, Clayton, Colechi and Io. Thank you so much.
3: Love it. Thanks, thanks, Ian. Man. Um, That's all a right. sharp cat right there. Yeah, he knows he knows his stuff. Let's let's go, let's go with Llamas. I need a point here. Let's let's go with yeah.
0: lumps. All right. Well, I, I, it's not quite that point where you got to chase, but I think in a fight like that, if you're torn and the other guy's being hectic, yeah. you can do worse than getting Llamas at plus one forty. Yeah. All right. A couple things on the way out, Ken Flo. Mm-hmm. Several listeners asked me if I would ask you about this. So Darren Till, the weight cutting video that has been out there uh, circulating, certainly disturbing to a lot of people. I don't know if you saw it from Patty Power. He loses vision during the weight cut. Um, Kenny described his experience cutting down to 145 pounds at one point as staring death in the face. Kenny, I know you have the pictures to prove it. So I would imagine you are not all that surprised to see these types of images and videos because you have lived through this. Yeah, I mean, listen. It
3: sounds weird. Everyone was horrified. Oh my gosh! And this, like, that's a, that's a wake exactly, up. Right. It, it's a tough wake up. But this is, this is a part of the sport. And it's the same thing, you know. If someone is explaining their ordeal getting to the top of Mount Everest, and oh my God, that sounds ridiculous. I can't believe someone would do that. Yeah, that that that's a part of it. It's not something I I think everyone should be going through, um, right. but. Yeah, listen, I went from 186 187 pounds to 145. Can you say that again? 187 to 145 pounds. That that's it sucks. And and, right. and listen, right. but you know what? That's also my fault for walking at 187 pounds prior to a title fight against Jose Aldo. That's my fault. That that's right. me for being a dummy. So, it could have been easier for me and I guarantee it could have been way easier for Darren Till. And right. um you know, Darren Till had, had a lot of adversity he had to deal with that week. You know, we we heard some, you know, rumors about him having to go to the hospital and all that. So, like, you know, not not for him, but for his, his girlfriend or his wife. And, and um, you know, but it doesn't mean that he shouldn't have – he should have been in there a lot lighter that week, right? right. And, and that same thing goes for me or anybody who's trying to cut ridiculous amounts of weight. It can always be better. Um, so, right. Yeah.
0: And that's not to say that that Kenny didn't sort of get ahead of it six or eight or ten weeks out, but you're sort of just saying for the masses that you could have gotten more ahead of it, thus making fight week less traumatic. And it's very hard for me to watch those videos, but I've been in locker rooms and I've seen these visuals. You know, I've shared saunas with these fighters during fight week and, and there's nothing easy about it. I really hope that we get to a point where we're not having these massive weight cuts, but it's just hard for me to believe that this isn't going to be a part of the sport going forward in some I, capacity because it's the, it's a great way to gain an advantage over your opponent. I, I've been thinking about this, and I think
3: one way that it, it would certainly help would be if you had a weigh-in 30 days prior to fight night. Yeah, If you had a weigh-in that was, you know, you, you had an official there, or an official present, um... You know, maybe you, you, it comes in and, and earlier in the day or whatever in the morning and, and you check their weight um, where you make sure that not only, you know, you check their hydration levels and you check their weight to make sure that they didn't cut weight, that they didn't dehydrate themselves right. on that 30 days prior to fight night. So it looks like, hey, no, look, look, I'm, I'm close in weight. Right. Um, I, I think that would make a lot of sense and also save a lot of fights going forward because now you have 30 days to go. Listen. You didn't make the weight that we wanted to. If you're going to fight at 155, we wanted you at 170 pounds. You are not 170 pounds or your hydration isn't right. We're going to find another guy to replace you. And you have 30 days to do it right. as opposed to going in there on fight. We can going, oh, wait a sec. This guy is 30 pounds to lose or whatever it is, 20. You know, I think it's just that would be a thing that would help the organization. It would make it yep. safer for the fighters. Um, and, and maybe you just make it um, – Standard across the board, no matter what the state is, the state commission maybe doesn't uh, come in, but maybe a UFC official or UFC, you know, uh, comes in and and makes sure that 30 days prior to fight night, that their hydration and their weight uh, is where it needs to be.
0: Well, and I like this solution. I think it's a little bit ambitious to think that universally sure. it would be accepted across all athletic commissions. The California State Athletic Commission is doing a lot of that stuff right now mm-hmm. with pre-event weigh-ins and preventing guys from competing in weight classes, right? I think there was something with Hen and Burrow and – um, some other fighter yeah. where they were prevented from fighting at Bantamweight unless they could prove it in their next fight, you know?
3: Yeah, no, and and as you said, this is a difficult thing. You're talking about around 600 fighters that you know, and all the different events right. that they'd have to do this for, but I do think it's worth it because the payoff uh, and the potential losing of fights going forward, I, I think in the long run, th- this makes a
0: whole lot of sense. But I don't disagree with people who say it's going to take uh, another death in combat for us to make wholesale changes meaning guys and women fighting at their natural weight and do it now it's sad to say but i I don't i don't disagree with that um all right that's it for today thank you to our guests chris weidman ray longo huge weekend coming up with ufc 225 of course in chicago so hopefully you'll all tune in for that fight pass fs1 pay-per-view we'll be back to recap the whole thing next monday june 11th also next week hopefully so Ken Flo and I did some genetic testing as part of a World Cup promotion with Fox and 23andMe. So the United States of America is not participating in the World Cup. Is Peru in, by the way?
3: They are in, absolutely. Okay, so yes, I, I have
0: this sneaking suspicion that Ken Flo's genetic test is going to come back that he's Peruvian and he's <laughs> going to be wearing a Peru jer- jersey for the show next week. But based upon our results, we're going to reveal who we are supporting in the 2018 World Cup Hopefully, we'll even have the jerseys for you next week to prove it. So uh, with that, for everyone at Fox Sports, for Ken Florian, I'm John Anik. Thank you all for listening, for watching. Subscribe to the show as well if you want to or you haven't done so already. And we look forward to talking to you again in less than a week. Until then, enjoy the fight. Yo, later.
1: The
2: John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast.
3: Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line.
0: Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family-owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.